Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello and welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. We are here with episode nine. Yes. This is Paul Spain. I'm in the studio with... You've got Bradley Burrows and Skip Parker. Welcome along, guys. How's your week been? Super duper. <laughs> Excellent. A bit, well, wet, a bit got, wet for Skip. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit, a bit of a crazy uh, start to the week, hasn't it? Bit of a tornado uh, rush, rushing through. and uh, I, I understand that part of my backyard may be a little different. I'm not sure yet. Got to go home and look at that one. So, yeah, I mean, it's all adventure, isn't it? It is. It is. Family's all safe, so we can smile about it. Yeah, that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, looking at the agenda for this evening, we've got a bunch of updates on, on outages and, and uh, network issues. We're going to look at some new Linux bits and pieces. We're going to talk New Zealand mobile termination announcements coming up. A little bit about home cinema. We will talk about some changes in the um, the employment of some uh, technology people in New Zealand. We look at browsers, some new um, hardware, and we will finish up with uh, a little bit of a chat about some Apple topics, and then on to um, one or two apps of the week. All right. Let's uh, let's dive in. So first up, following on from our discussions last week about outages and the struggles that Sony were having with their PlayStation network, which they'd pulled offline, we didn't really have the full info then, did mm-hmm. we, when we chatted about it last week? We understood there was about 77 million users that had been uh, hit by their network outage. And it was understood that they had been hacked, but we didn't really have too much detail. And in, in, in the last few days, a lot of that's come to light. A lot bigger than we thought, wasn't it? Well, I guess at that stage, we knew that there were that many users that were hit uh, and that yeah, potentially people's credit card details might have been uh, exposed. Since that, they've come back and said, hey, we're, we're actually really close to restoring and getting that core network back online. And they're going to give away some freebies, which is is nice for those who have been impacted but then we found that Today. in parallel with that mm. that there's another uh, another part of their uh, an associated network that's uh, that's been hit 24 million users skip 24 yeah. million users and they have confirmed they know of 12,700 non-US credit cards that have been taken out of the system that's right. a lot. That's a. That's quite a few. few. So if we look at if we combine, I mean, if we look at both of those incidences, it's probably one of, or probably not one of, probably the biggest single sort of hacking incident, you know, worldwide. Uh, it's got. It's got to be up there. It's mm. got to be up there. Mm. It, it's a really unusual story because when you look at the timeline and how things have happened, um, Sony really have taken a hit really hard on this thing. Uh, their share prices are down. There's uh, a, a lawsuit pending in the states now over various things. So it's it's got to be pretty hard for them right now. The the one thing that's really surprising is that the PlayStation Network, um, Cryosity Network, is actually totally physically separate from the SOE, the Sony Online Entertainment Network. So what's the difference between the two? What, like, As a gamer, how does that affect you? Okay, so if you're, if you're playing games on your PlayStation 3 mm-hmm. and on the PSN network, that the PSN network services the PlayStation 3s. Right. Sony branched out into Sony Online Entertainment, which was to target PC gamers 
uh, I think it does Mac as well. So it's kind of like a Steam in, uh, competitor. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you basically pay for a service and you, you be part of the online community and you pay a base fee and then you can play any number of online games. Uh, the latest one to come out was DC Universe. Um, and it is actually physically separate networks. We tried this uh, in a test the other day. We had a DC on- Universe online PS3 game and the PC game, and they were totally different universes. So they are separate networks in separate physical locations. So both of these now have been violated yes. and then hacked and had the credit card details stolen. Yep. Now the differences are PSN, they've never, the Sony haven't come out and said they have lost credit card information. But they're not, they're not sure. They can't they're not be sure. They haven't been confident other, right? But the SOE network, they have come out and said, yes, we are sure that credit card information has left the premise. Or at least historical credit card information yep. that may not be may not be current, but they, they've obviously the only lost thing, some data. Yeah, there. and they seem quite defined about this. They actually have said that they they have credit card information, but not the those CVC codes. Right. Okay. So there's okay. there's you know, but for me, I'm a, I'm a PlayStation Network user uh, and an SOE user. Actually, just recently signed up for SOE for looking at DC Universe, mm-hmm. and I've actually had, I've just gone through and cancelled my credit cards. It's just a risk that you can't really take yeah and I mean I was reading some articles in, on the Sydney Morning Herald today and, and they're basically recommending that anyone that's using the PlayStation networks that they, they look at get checking their credit cards or getting them cancelled well the nice thing is the banks are giving free replacements and yep, in fact I saw good. one article saying that the replacement credit cards was going to cost banks something like 700 million dollars to replace those those credit cards wow so um, you know there's a hit there that doesn't impact Sony directly uh, but you're talking about a billion New Zealand dollars, uh, you know, or close to it, to replace those credit cards around the world if, if uh, you know, most people decide to opt in and uh, get their credit cards replaced. So, so if I was a, uh, a PlayStation, signed up for the PlayStation Network Skip, what would you recommend? Would you recommend I currently get my new credit cards? Would I ch- cancel my account? What, account? what would you recommend I do? First thing you do, ring the bank. They will give it to you for free. Okay, cool. So they'll cancel your credit card. Um, that's that's the best, safest option. I mean, the chances are your credit card may not be used, but uh, it's better to be safe than sorry, really. Uh, the second thing is you can reset your PlayStation Network password on the original PlayStation 3 you signed up with. If you've had to replace the PlayStation 3, then you have to go through the website and get it changed through the email that you signed up with. So they send you a link and you change it that way. Can you do that now or do we have to wait for it to come back online? My understanding is that you can do that. You can start doing that now. Um, Now, one question. Lots of people that have got PlayStations that use them for watching Blu-ray discs for movies. And also, you know, streaming other sort of TV type content. Yeah. TVNZ on demand T- is, is a big on one. On demand, yep. yep. Um, and and things like Netflix. Are those uh, how are those impacted? Uh, I haven't actually had a look at those yet, but I believe that they are still offline. So you'll start getting the dashboard services back up online this week. So they, um, yeah, the, I, I mean, think I, the, I did hear that you can get into Netflix, but you have to do a little bit of, you know, clicking some buttons and so on to sort of bypass errors, and you can get through. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's a there's a bit of functionality that's lost on the PlayStation threes yeah. at the moment, which is a shame. Uh, hopefully they can get the, the it all sorted out and start rolling it up. But, but well, you know, the, the it, word I got from Sony uh, yesterday was that they do expect to start turning on services in New Zealand again this week. So oh, that's good. we we you know don't expect to see such a big outage. Initially they were saying, look, we're going to rebuild the whole network, and that sounded like weeks, if not months, worth of worth of work to do. 
but they say they've you know they've brought in these external security consultants they've uh, secured the network and things will be back online f- fairly smartly which I think that will deal with a lot of the the drama if they just get back up and running quickly I think people will be much more relaxed about it I, I think the um, they'll get the non-billing services up rather quickly and the, the way they're talking about free games free content as well I think they're really going to just they're going to make it up to the Sony PlayStation Network community really, really heavily. And let's face it, if you're hit, if you're a company, regardless of who you are, with an event like this, man, just imagine what the level of security is going to be like post this in, on the Sony PlayStation Network. I mean, they're going to, they're basically going to pull out all the stops. So they've actually employed a new executive management person, a chief uh, security officer, I think, that reports to the CIO. So they they basically come out and said, what a mistake, we're, we're moving rapidly, we're going to make this thing tighten. So moving forward, I don't think there's going to be major fears um, within the network. I think they're going to do things really, really, really by the book this time around. Do they have any ideas of actually where it's come from? Is it internal, external? Have they sort of given any hints yet? or is it? There's of- lots of rumours on the net about what's happening. Um, the unfortunate thing is there's events happening around the Sony uh, environment. They've obviously had a few restructuring changes, so that's lending evidence and weight to the conspiracy theory of an internal inside job. But nothing's been. Nothing, we, we know no, nothing. Or, right? No, nothing's been officially. Staff who have maybe been laid off recently and so on. So, but no, no one really knows, right? They don't know that sort of. What, what they do so. know is that uh, a hacker group apparently has approached Sony and held them ransom with the information list. So there is an outside source starting to bargain Sony to saying, look, you know, the data's encrypted or um, hashed so you're not going to get into it uh, so good luck thanks and no we're not going to pay you so uh, I, I'd imagine over the next a week or two we'll really start getting some real information from Sony the FBI is involved so it just shows the level of uh, intensity that Sony have on this one interesting well, good, good, good yeah good luck Sony hope you guys get sorted and get yeah, up and going again yeah. well it sounds like it's heading in the right direction now Ubuntu yes 11.04. Yes. A delicious little flavor of Linux. Yes. I've been playing with it on the weekend. Yeah. How did, how did you like it? I've been playing around with this new one as well. What, do you, what did you think? I like it a lot. It's quite cool. It's it really easy to get up and running. Yep. So just a quick, what, what I did was I went into Ubuntu website and I downloaded the um, live USB version so I could boot up off a USB key and run it. And... It is really it, look. I had no problems. The the old ways of not picking up all my devices and wireless being sort of a big thing. That's all way way gone now. Um, and it was slick and fast and really really nice. So it's basically it's an alternative operating system to running Windows or Mac OS on your Correct. machine. Yep. And it's free, so it's easy to give it a go. Yep. Who would you say would be the audience? You know, what sort of people would you recommend to to use it? So. Whilst the hardcore Linux people would say it's mainstream, this is still set up for people where you have to have some level of IT experience. I couldn't give it to my mum to use. No, right it's at the more moment. sort of a tech head type it thing is. or you know, gadget lovers who just want to have a bit yeah. of a play around. But but in saying that, it is definitely getting to the point where I could get my wife to, to play with it. Um, I mean, the, the three key things for the, the latest version is that they've got a, um, a taskbar that's very similar across between the Mac OS taskbar and the Windows 7 taskbar with the jump lists. And it looks very similar look and feel. Um, they've got this new dashboard or entity dashboard where you can actually have all your programs and it's a quick find search, which is similar to Finder inside the Mac OS. 
and the workspaces. Um, they've always had it, but now they've really simplified it down to make sure that, that it's easy to use. But it, yeah, it, it was simple. I mean, having when I started up, I had Excel equivalent. I had Word equivalent. Um, I had They were all pinned to the taskbar, ready to go. Um, Firefox started up lightning fast for me. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Pretty, I found it pretty snappy. Yep. Uh, the yeah the office the office suite that that's bundled in there, which is a, a um, an open source office mm. you know product that ships good. in there. It's quite good, sort of for simple basic stuff. It's not something I'd want to have as my main sort of work desktop that I'd have to use every day because it you know it it doesn't have quite the same functionality and and ease of use in terms of using say you know full blown microsoft office but in terms of just getting into some documents and and doing bits and pieces i mean it does 95% yep. of of the main things that you know word and excel uh would do for instance you don't have outlook obviously as as part of that but it it's quite capable no and, and i mean the equivalent of i suppose where mac's going with the app store on the os i mean the, the ubuntu version you know I, I was playing around with that a lot downloading different applications it's just they've got that really down packed they really do and mm. and being able to boot off a usb key and not have it installed over my hard drive i mean they've got three installation methods the traditional office cd they've got if you're already running a windows based um, installation you can actually install it so it dual boots so you can run two operating systems on the one machine or you can do the live version which is what i did which doesn't install anything runs off a usb key uh, it's brilliant that's very very clever and it's something that the other operating systems um, the Mac and the Windows world uh, I think hopefully they're going to go that way because it's a very slick way of having multiple operating systems running yeah I think we'll see things moving in, moving in that direction and, and there's certainly word that that's the way that Apple are going and are going to move away from mm. distributing CD and DVD media with their uh, with their machines yeah no uh, look, I, I would definitely I mean for any of the technology people listening to this that want to have a play and have always sort of wondered about the, this this is a good version to have a play with um I know speaking to some of the more hardcore Linux people, they they sort of not poo-pooing it, but they're finding it a little bit flaky in a few areas. But um, if you yeah, if you want to get your feet wet and having, I think this is a good version to have a look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, someone in the chat was asking what version we're talking of Office, and that's um the Libre Office. Isn't yes, it? that's correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's a spin-off of the Open Office, isn't it? Yep. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's been a little bit of a, a fork in the roads. I there think there's been a few out um, of the Open Office uh, product. Hmm. But no, it, I really enjoyed playing with it. It was, it was nice and fresh. I mean, back in the day, if you are listening to this, you can remember things like BIOS, which I loved. Oh, I loved BIOS. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you remember those, it, it's you just... geeks. Yeah. Oh, BIOS was awesome. It, it brought it brought my sort of Linux and Amiga world together. Well, it was it was developed by um, one of the guys from Ma- from Apple, yep. and he went off and created BIOS. And um, it look, it died a painful death, which I was really disappointed about. But if you can ever find it on the internet um, or on eBay, or on Trade Me, um, it's worth having a look at. It's still got a lot of the flavors of, of Ubuntu now, actually. Mm. Sorry, I'm ranting. I'm getting no, in trouble. That's, that's all good. That's all good. I'm just, we're just reminiscing we, about BIOS. It was well, a good, we could good go into all life. sorts of discussions about how Apple went from um, OS 9 to uh, <laughs> OS X and, and, and where that went because at one stage, well, they were looking at buying BIOS, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. And, uh, mm. and in the end, they went and bought... Um, 
next yeah. of Steve Jobs and, and uh, I guess bringing Steve Jobs back into the fold um, proved to be gold for Apple. Well, yeah, look, now if you just, look at their current profitability. Yeah, just a and, small amount and, of gold. And, uh, yeah. and share price. And in fact, um, I was going to chat about this later on, but but um, the, the profitability numbers and so on have come through for Apple recently and they're doing extremely well. 80, 83% growth year on year. Incredible, isn't it? Unbelievably good growth. I mean, well, they've, they've got the right product for this moment in time in, in, in history, isn't it? The, yep. the iPad is cleaning up in everywhere. It's starting to become the desktop killer. Yeah. Well, if, if I if I look around the the equipment that's spread out here <laughs> yeah. in the studio, there's a good chunk of it is, is Apple. We've got two iPads. I've got my MacBook Pro here. I've got uh, a fantastic iPhone, which is much better than your so rubbishy. Windows just just for our li- listeners, <laughs> Mr. Paul Spain has three. He has a, a ThinkPad, a MacBook Pro, and his iPad all sitting around him, surrounding him, radiating him at the moment. So and my and, and my phone. So um, yeah. So so I mean they're, they're doing very well but the the stat that jumped out at me the most was how they're going in the Asia Pacific region with sales of the Mac they are up in Asia Pacific 76% yeah i mean compared to the compared to the previous year which is just i mean that is a dramatic figure totally different from in the US and other markets so Australia leads the way with Mac i mean i, I was I happen to do a little bit of work in this area for some other bits and pieces I do, and and looking at the at the, the share numbers of Apple, um, they are just amazing growth in Australia. It is just blowing people out of the. I think it's the second fastest growing market in the world. So um, look, the Australians really like their Macs. Apple's done a great you know marketing and getting it into the mainstream over there. Well, I think that's exactly the same here in New Zealand. It's yeah. it's that you know um, that fact. That there's a lot of small businesses. Macs tend to be uh, you know if we look at them, where where they've been the strongest is amongst you know consumers. But because we've got a lot of small businesses, it's much easier for people to then bring their machine in and use it as a mm. as a business machine or say, I want this in my business. Whereas if we look at markets like the US and, and UK and Europe, you've got much bigger corporates where you can't just decide, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to yep. have a Mac in my business because, um, the, you know, the IT departments will just say, well, no, that that's that's not practical at all. Whereas when when you're in smaller firms, it's uh, it's much easier to make that sort of thing happen. I think the other big thing too is that Apple have got an Apple store in Sydney. Um, I read the other day that they're now um, put a lease out for an Apple store in Brisbane now as well. So they're, they're really obviously investing in that market. It's a shame. Um, Microsoft are doing the stores in in, in the US. Um, I know that there's some talk around having some Google-styled stores in, in the Asia area. It'd be great to get something down in this part of the world. In, in New Zealand, I'd, lo- I'd love to see an Apple store or a Microsoft store or a Google store or something that that brings there's those pretty cues. big-scale stores, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I went to when I went to Sydney recently. I went to that Sydney store, and it is just it is beautiful. They really have got it down packed. Mm. I've been to a Microsoft store as well in Bellevue and Redmond. I've mm. had a look at those. They are, they're also very good. Um, there's a lot of it's it's a good way for people to go and buy their devices rather than the standard retail stores. Yeah, sure. And and certainly there seem to be a few stores that have emulated some of that stuff. I noticed that in Asia. Mm. I mean, here in Auckland, we've got you know UB with their store in Newmarket. That, that's that's a great, which yeah. is a really cool store. Um, and that that's on par with some of the you know some of the smaller uh, Apple Apple stores elsewhere elsewhere in the world. It's got their presence presence and look about it on the outside too. When you when you drive past it, you 
sort of have that feel. And if you do get a chance to go to Sydney and see the Apple Store, it's worth just spending an hour looking around it there. And, I mean, I went in there and had a great chat with them. And I said, look, you know, I'm a Windows user. And they went, oh, cool, here, we've got a whole lot of Windows devices over here. This is how you use your iPhone with a Windows device. So it's not that religious debate that you tend to get out in some of the media. <laughs> Chase you out with pitchforks yeah. or anything. And, you, they, you know, I, I actually got an iPad there and stuff. And, and basically, you know, they were showing me how to use it on a Windows with iTunes. And it was a really good experience, mm. very good consumer experience. The last one I went to was in Beijing. And they they were caught with the issue that there were just too many, there were too many customers there. They, I mean, they had a lot of staff, but they still didn't have enough. They didn't have enough staff to really be able to cater to. Were they, were the, they the actual people. Apple products in that store, or were they? <laughs> so, you know, you had those be, being China, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, the interesting thing you talked about the um, Asia Asia uh, sort of stats for sales and whatnot, but. I've been seeing a lot of strange stories about people in uh, China, especially buying in their eye devices from places like the UK. Yep. On in mass because it's cheaper than buying it next door. Yep, that's it. And does that? Uh, I, I guess the stats are all talking about the official distribution channel, so potentially the numbers are even higher, perhaps. Uh, I don't think there would be a big, you know, percentage. And they're talking about Macs, not you know, not iPads and and so on in those stats, but. Yeah, there have always been a few people that will bring things in from, you know, from from US and, and other markets where they can get the products cheaper. Although that different price differential is certainly not as, as dramatic as it, as it once was in the past. Mm. Although with the strengthening of the New Zealand dollar uh, against the, um, the US, then, yeah, yeah potentially again as our dollar strengthens that uh, that picture could change a little bit also all right well on to um on to other topics it's good to uh, catch up on on some of the apple news mobile termination announcement there's a there's a um announcement due on thursday i believe here in new zealand to do with uh, termination rates so do you want to sort of go through what that means for people um I mean, when I spoke to you about sort of this topic, I, I know you do a lot of traveling, so... Uh, well, the termination rates are really around how much the telcos within New Zealand charge each other for for um, for calls. So mm-hmm. let's say I've got a, um, a landline and it's with, um, let's say, Vodafone, mm-hmm. and I pick up that landline and I make a call to Skip on his telecom mobile then I get charged whatever the retail rate is for that call. Let's say it's 30 cents a minute um, because that's what that's what Telecom chooses to charge. But that's a reflection of the wholesale cost of the call plus whatever markup they want to put in there. Right. At the moment, the wholesale cost of the calls to mobiles in New Zealand is around uh, 15 cents a minute, if I've got my numbers about right. And what they're what what's expected is that the government are going to force those rates down to around sort of five five and a half cents a minute, and then those will come down further over the next um, over the next three or four years. So what that means is for people using telecom mob, uh, telecom Vodafone or two degrees, their calls per minute to other networks will get a lot cheaper. Uh, it doesn't actually mean that. It means that the wholesale rates will go down. Ah, uh, okay. It, and what we've, what we've heard recently is that two degrees have already considered that those rates are going down and have worked those into their current rates to a degree. And what it does mean is that the amount of income that all of these telcos are going to get when they get called from a landline is going to be much less. 
Okay. So they're all going to be looking around and saying, well, where can we make some more profit? We're now making a third for every landline to mobile call that we were getting. Where else can we make some money? So we I, could see I, think some increases. There, I think there's that mm. expectation that, oh, because the uh, interconnect rates are coming down, that everything's going to come down. But they're still businesses looking to make a profit. So we might not see this as dramatic improvements as what we're looking for. But it does mean we use a voice over IP provider or a discount calling provider. They will only be paying that, you know, say five and a half, six cents a minute, if that's what uh, the Commerce Commission settles on. They will only be paying that rate. So if they, even if they mark it up fifty percent, you can expect to be able to call from a discount landline uh, or toll provider to a mobile for under ten cents a minute. Is my, is my guess. Okay. So good. we'll have to wait and see whether it actually comes out to that because, again, those discount providers at the moment might be marking it up by ten cents, twenty cents a minute. Will they be happy to have their margin also cut down to? three cents a minute yeah maybe not so there's a little bit of wait and see associated with it but i think long longer term there's going to be some good effects of this and and it makes competition a lot easier it certainly makes it uh, easier for for you know a newer player like two degrees to be able to offer some really sharp rates across you know their, their plans and i would think over time we'll definitely see those rates improving the other, the, sorry, Skip, the other thing I also saw in the media in the last week or so is that Australia and New Zealand are going to look at those data roaming charges between the two countries. And Korea. And Korea, yeah. which is great. I mean, I was reading some of the articles, and the most expensive one is two degrees at the moment, which is $30 for 10 megabits. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. For, when you go to, for New Zealand goes to Australia, yeah. I think Vodafone. $30 a megabyte. Megabyte, a megabyte, oh, megabyte, yeah. so, $30. So, so that's the rate that we were paying with Telecom and Vodafone not very long ago. Yep. Um, what has happened is that they've been working very hard. They've got a lot of partners. They've got big networks. They've managed to negotiate those rates down. But what Two Degrees are saying is, you know, hey, we haven't got so much sway yet to negotiate those international uh, roaming fees down because they're very much reliant on the carriers in all the other countries. Yep. So there, there is definitely a big advantage at the moment. If you're a traveler, you travel on business, or you know, you just like traveling like I do, uh, and you, you'll travel for whatever reason, uh, then you know, two degrees probably isn't the best network if you're you know, if you want uh, to roam with, with data and so on, unless you're willing to spend the time buying a local SIM and, and going through those hoops when you reach the other country at the other end. Uh, otherwise, your, your data fees are going to be um, are going to be a lot higher on on two degrees at the moment. Okay. Well, let's hope um, they, if they get those down, it means you know any any mobile device, no matter what it is, it's all got data, um, and we need to get those fees down a lot. Absolutely, we really do. Yeah, but uh, there are guys like uh, I was reading um, some tweets by. Uh, Paul Brislin, who's ex-Vodafone and is now uh, CEO of uh, the Telecommunications uh, Users Association of New Zealand, he's jumped onto two degrees with his mobile. When he goes to Australia, he pulls that out and puts in a, a uh, an Australian SIM card to to be able to do his data and so on over there. So that's the way some people are dealing with it. Yeah. All right. Next uh, next up on the agenda. Home cinema. Oh, I love this topic. This is there my baby. Is, you, know, you have to so stay quiet for the whole things. time now. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many fun things going on with home cinema. I had a busy weekend. I was telling the boys about it earlier on. Aww. Yeah, what were you playing around with in terms of home cinema stuff this weekend? So, 
my two projects this weekend were I was playing around with an Apple TV version 1 and an Apple TV version 2. Um, and they are beautiful pieces of hardware. So the Apple TV version 1 is about the same size as a uh, probably a DVD cover. I'm trying to think of a good analogy there. And the Apple TV 2 is the same size as a hockey puck. They wow. are tiny. It is a tiny device. That's right. Yeah. It, it has... Um, so if I talk about the Apple TV One, um, what does it allow you to do? It allows you to plug into your television, high-definition television, and talk to the Apple um, iTunes Store or talk to a iTunes installation, whether it be on Windows or Mac. And to be able to transmit movies via iTunes, you can download and rent them or you can transfer them off your iTunes and play them across there. And you can use it to play your music catalog as well, yep, right? So music, you've podcasts. Got all, all of that on your network. You can plug one of these yep. in the TV so you, you, you know, you're watching, uh, what, well, listening to your music but controlling it through through the Apple TV device plugged into your, your home TV. Yep, totally. And it, look, it's a very simple UI. Um, you've got a very tiny remote. I mean, as Apple, it's a beautiful piece of engineering the way they've done it. Um, whisper quiet. Great for having it next to your TV. You don't even know it's there for the Apple TV One. Um, I played around with my Apple TV One a little bit and um, installed uh, the XMBC onto that, which is a XBMC. Yes, thank you. Uh, sorry, I, I knew I was getting it around the wrong way. I was going to get told off if I said it the other way. I'm not editing it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, basically, what that allows you to do is it allows you to hook on to your network um, and play uh, movies if you've got it stored on some uh, local discs like NAS devices or remote storage devices and it provides a really simple interface to be able to play movies and stuff it's a slick interface eh? it, it is it's a it's I, if, I was a, if I was a user for the first time, I think I'd have found it a bit confusing. There's, there's too many options. Right. It is another one of those sort of little, you know, four techie... It is, definitely. ...you know, types, It's but it is really cool. And the nice thing is you can install it onto, you know, a mix of systems. You can install it onto, you know, Apple TV. Yep. You can install it onto an older, you know, PC, say something that's, you know, under five years old. It will run well in a whole range of environments. There's even a, you there's play even a live movies and do all your music stuff, right? There's even a live USB version mm. that you can just plug in so you actually have to install it as well. That's great. Um, it, it's, it is slick. Very nice. The, and, you, and your old Xboxes, can't you? The really old, early generation yes. one Xboxes. Yeah, yep. they, they, they run an earlier, earlier generation of of that uh, of that software. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean that's a really when you look at it, the the old Xboxes are really low end system compared to most of these current ones. I think it's yeah. got a three hundred uh, megahertz CPU and so on. So, so, so the the, the big thing with the T- Apple TV one was it really struggled playing um, high definition movies across the network it had that stutter effect it just didn't quite have the processing power in it the Apple TV 2 though seamless the Apple TV 2 I notice only does 720p so they actually stepped down the quality Correct. in order to make sure it all works well right? and they've got no local disk on it so you can't actually save anything to it it's got a little flash drive inside it but you can't store anything on it right so it's very cut down but the upside of that is it costs next to nothing right you're talking 170 New Zealand dollars yeah. for the uh, Apple TV box yeah Dick Smith's here in Auckland um, I saw them the other day they've got tons in stock 170 dollars um, and then, like, it is just yeah, it is. T- it's the same size as a, as, a, as a cigarette packet. I'm not a smoker, so I'm trying to think of other things. But yeah, yeah, it is really tiny. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. It's very similar to some of the capabilities that are built into an iPhone or an iPod Touch without the screen because it plugs into your TV Correct. and it's got the networking and the other bits in it. Yep. 
And, and, and the, the interface is, is very simple. It's a very simple little menu. You slide across the top, movies, music, my podcasts, my TV shows, photos, um, and it allows you two internet options of YouTube, and I can't remember, I think it's um, might even be Hulu, actually, um, on the other one. So, hmm. yeah, it, it, it is a beautiful device to, to plug straight into TV. Very, very nice piece of kit. Nice. It's, it's good to see so much activity out there in competition in this home cinema space and the home cinema uh, you know, type equipment that that's you know, there's a lot of competition between things that Apple doing. Google have got their sort of Google TV yep. uh, offerings. Microsoft are moving a little bit slower because their their software sits on top of Windows with the Windows Media Center uh, product. Although, yeah, it's very very capable product if you're wanting you know home PVR type capabilities where you can record, you know, free view, spread it around the house and so on. That that works well. That's what I use at home. Yeah, uh, the big thing with the Google one is it's it's built into the TVs now, which is fantastic. And that's really what we need to see from Apple or or any of the players is it needs to be built into the TV and we've got a few of the TV vendors that are delivering, you know, mm. things built in like there's a bit of Skype built into some of them but they're really expensive. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Apple ending up launching a TV themselves that's got the um, you know got their their software and so on built into it. I know some vendors in Seattle, uh, Seattle or Japan. I can't remember which, where I read this actually, but they're putting Windows Seven embedded into televisions in, over there at the moment with an interface on there. Um, the iTV is rumored. That's the bit one of the big rumors for the Apple launch this year. Mm, mm. Because Microsoft do have a TV platform, don't they? They did. Yes. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Okay, well, they, and they were involved in the whole cable TV space in the states, so yeah, that, and which which is different again. Now, another couple of other things to do with home cinema. I heard this week that if you enjoy watching the Daily Show, it's yes. one of the few websites that you can get in watch the full episodes. Virtually no advertising. There's just a little bit of promo for other shows at the beginning. But if you go to the Daily Show dot com. You can stream full latest episodes straight off their website without being blocked because you're outside of the US and and so wow. on, like like we find with Hulu and the other ones. So that's uh, that's very cool because it's a it's a great and entertaining show. Yeah, it's a very informative news source. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other bit on uh, home cinema was I had the unfortunate uh, position of turning on my. Uh, projector at home last week to find there was a big red flashing light on it and no picture <laughs> on the wall. So you then immediately started shredding dollar bills. Well, it was a little bit like that. I looked up the price of the bulb and you know I remembered that, hey, the price of these projector bulbs has come down a lot in, in recent years and, and you know in some cases with some projectors you can get bulbs for under three hundred dollars, so I was thinking, oh, that'll be the. Hopefully, that's the case for mine. How much was it, Paul? Uh, was sort of six hundred odd. Did you so, get clearance from the financial controller in your house? Oh man, it was it was yeah. It's a it's <laughs> a painful couch, a, pain, a painful position to be in, but we just had to spend the money. Um, we just had to for the yeah, projector. We, we just had to just just had. I couldn't operate without my uh, without having a big screen on the wall for when I'm you know when I'm working. It's it's that numbers series again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so great. I mean, I love using a web browser where the screen is sort of you know couple of couple of meters across yeah, and, 15 foot know, web browser except it's, for when there's great. dodgy pop-ups that appear <laughs> it's really good it's a great way to work um now the la- the last one we uh we did we did 
uh, mention the Daily Show and how you can get on to uh, onto that in New Zealand without having to go through any any hoops. There's Hulu, which we've we've mentioned before. I finally got around to signing up for uh, a Hulu Plus account. So, do you want to explain what Hulu Plus is versus Hulu? So, oh yeah, so Hulu is basically a number of the networks in the US that have got together and they let you watch their TV programs and the odd sort of probably movie. I think probably movies that are aimed at you know films for TV yep. audiences. So that you know there are a number of the big the big players and and a lot of the highest rating shows in the US are available via Hulu and it's basically you just, you can just go to their website if you're in the US and you can watch them for free there is advertising at various spots in between the um in the ad break you know type natural uh, slots that are built into those programs then you've got Hulu Plus which is a, a subscription version of Hulu that gives you access to more content so instead of say the last five episodes of a particular program you often get all of the episodes that are available the cost of it is around eight US a month yeah, for Hulu right. Plus, yep. so it's about the same as Netflix. So you've got to look and say, well, yeah, do I want both? Do I want one or the other? If you've got access to it, again, we will be putting up online on the website some details about you know the uh, the best and easiest ways to get one of these US proxies up and running if you want to try out one of these services. Uh, but it, yeah, it is interesting that we've we've now got that also available through. Um, the Xbox, and you know, I imagine um, Sony may well come up with something down the track also for that uh, that access on the um, on the PlayStation, and you can get at it through your um, your iPad and so on as well. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, the key thing, if you're listening, the, the, think of Netflix for movies, and Hulu does TV shows. Predominantly, oh, I mean, there's a, a lot of TV the, shows on Netflix. There is, but they, they Netflix, um, their major strength at the moment is, is really around that that the movie sections. They've got TV shows, but I guess if you want the latest ones, the right, latest the, ones the, are Hulu. The freshest stuff is yeah. on Hulu. It's Hulu, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's where they've built their partnerships are up around for Hulu. So the, it depends. If you want to get a lot of TV shows, like the latest and greatest, then Hulu's better. If you want to watch movies, Netflix is better. If you're addicted to everything like me, then you get both. So. Yeah, that's true. And and I guess when I look at what I was watching over the weekend on Hulu Plus, it was the latest episode of The Office, yeah. uh, exactly. the, the final episode with Steve Carell, and that had, that had you know that had just come out. The you know there hadn't really been a whole lot said about it because it was all fresh, and I think that probably airs in New Zealand. Uh, I think it might be this week. But you certainly get it, you know, ahead of anyone else. So it's quite cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, now Bradley, some interesting news in um, in New Zealand related to some computer IT type uh, roles. That it, there's been some changes there. Yeah, look, I, I suppose it was kind of interesting to see that the warehouse and both Yellow Pages got rid of the CIO positions in those organisations. Um, for such large, I suppose. So that so they've they've what completely yeah gone gone. They've no longer got a chief information officer type role. No, they're both gone from there. From what from reading all Are the they, press releases, so they're not replacing them. They've, they've actually got rid of that role entirely. Disestablished, gone. Mm, that's really unusual. Which is which is a shame because I mean the warehouse is huge. I mean it's a huge organisation. Don't underestimate the amount of IT infrastructure to run that place. It's big, and Yellow Pages is, is, is again it's a very very big online presence and. It's just a shame to see organisations losing those chief information roles. I think twenty years ago, we 
as IT people, we fought hard to get away from the finance department and, and become our own division. And now we're starting to see it sort of regress back a, a little bit, which is a bit of a That's shame. Interesting. That's interesting. That's, well, yeah. my personal soapbox there. Sorry. Yeah. So oh, it would be interesting it, to see a little bit more about about that as as um, you know others start talking about it. Now, browser news. Obviously, we've uh, we spoke a little bit in in episodes recently about the new IE nine, and there, there's uh, Internet Explorer ten that they're. Um, uh, that that's you know coming available in terms of um, developer tests. Yep. But we've also been playing around with some of the other browsers, right? Uh, yep. Firefox four has been looking really really good. Yeah, and Chrome. Uh, I've been using that on Mac and also on Windows, and it and it's been very good. Uh, and and Chrome as well. We've had uh, you've had quite a play around with that, right, Brad? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a bit of a good fiddle with that one. And look, they're all. I was, I was thinking about this before we started the show tonight. You know. A couple of years ago, there were a couple of standouts. You know, Firefox led for a while, then Chrome, you know, overtook it, then Firefox overtook it, and there's no mention of IE. And now suddenly IE's come out, and they're all. It becomes down to what you're used to now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I've, I was really, really, really impressed with how well Chrome ran. Really impressed. It yeah. does. It's a you know, it's it's really snappy. It's you know, it's a nice, clean UI, much yeah. much like the new version of Internet Explorer. Yeah, look, to me, Chrome and um, IE9 have got a very similar look and feel about how, how it works. Um, I, I haven't played enough with the Firefox one to really give a good opinion. Have you, You've had a good go with that one, haven't you? Yeah, I've been using, as I say, Firefox um, on my MacBook Pro, and I've used it on, on my Windows uh, machine as well. And it's it's nice that you've got that consistent experience across both both machines. Yep. It's one one of the probably the few apps that you can run that is very very uh, very similar on both platforms. Yeah. And and I like that. You I know what oh, I'd love it. to see is I'd love to see the IE team with IE ten put it so you can run it like Firefox on Windows or Mac based devices. Well, they used to be on Mac a long, long time ago, yeah. but um, I'd, I'd yeah. love to see that again. I think that's what they need to do. I think it's a strength of, of Firefox that it can run across multiple, uh, multiple platforms. Yeah. I think it's really, really clever. Yep, and 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 Chrome's the same. I'm running Chrome here on uh, yep. on on my Mac right now, and it's it's really nice. I like the way that it actually because I like to have a lot of tabs open. Yeah, <laughs> do you want to rephrase <laughs> it? How many tabs did you have open when we started the show tonight, Mister Spain? Well, probably about twenty five. <laughs> Um, so it's really good, and that if you've got lots of tabs open, it doesn't give you these big tabs, and you have to scroll. It actually gives you these nice little little tabs, which is cool. So when we were prepping for the show on Sunday night, Paul and I were talking, and he was sitting there. Hold on, I've got to scroll through my tabs. Alt tab, alt tab, alt tab, alt tab, alt tab. He's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. A couple of minutes later, right, I found the right tab. Now I'm like, how many tab? But look, it's, it's a strength I like of the to browser. Multitask, all right. My computer can multitask, so you know. <laughs> but it's a strength of the browser that you can actually have that many tabs open and not notice the performance hit. It's great. Yeah. I, di- I did actually run into a problem with IE when I had about 50 tabs open. Um, so you know these, these things. Wow, that's happen. useless product, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's so, failed, isn't it? God, you know, somebody <laughs> no. has to push these technologies to uh, to their limit, right? But um, yeah, I mean, look, what would you out of the two? Would you want to give a recommendation which you would stick for um, stick to for consumers to to have a sort of a play or people in the industry? Or well, I think I mean, if you want to use something other than Internet Explorer, then then Firefox really is the main one that most people. Um, that are running a different browser would be running. Yep. Uh, you'll find the same on on Mac. Most people that aren't running uh, Safari, which is Apple's browser, would tend to be running Firefox. I have to say, on on the Mac device I've got at home, I 
got frustrated with Safari and I, I put Firefox on. And and that tends to be the way I think a lot of Mac users will tend to use mm. Firefox. And yeah, it, it's nice. It, wor- it works well across both. I think, hey, feel free to, to try out all of them and to find out what which you like. If you're in a business environment, then you're probably going to be a little bit more locked down because the business needs to you know, manage their systems. They don't want to be patching and maintaining you know, umpteen different products. Yeah. So you, you, your hand is probably forced, but certainly in that home environment, hey, have a play around and, and uh, you know, learn some of the features and capabilities of the different products. And there are some good good little bits and pieces in there that um, make each of them unique. Yeah, no, it's been fun playing with them all this mm. weekend. It's mm. been good to see where they're at and how much they've matured as well. But, yeah, for me, when uh, yeah, Firefox would be the winner out of, uh, you know, between Chrome and Firefox personally, but I'm sure there'll be a bunch of people listening that will be, um, you know, much preferring to use Chrome. That's their preference, and I think it is one of, it becomes one of those sort of personal choice things. Yes, it does get yeah. rather a bit of a religious debate sometimes with people. Um, <laughs> but, look, I mean, look, they are... It's all much of a muchness now. I think there's a pretty much there's parity a loss a loss. I mean, it really works. What you, what there, you like to there use. is a lot of parity, but there are also some features that as as specific to one or the other. Correct, yep. There are things like in Firefox where you can drag a tab out and it and it just turns into its own window, uh, or drag it back in and it becomes you know becomes a, a window becomes a tab. Things like that that are quite cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of those those sort of things that are that are worth having a, having a play around with. Now, we've got some toys, haven't we? We've got a bit of new hardware floating around. Um, Skip's been playing... Actually, he's been hogging the um, <laughs> the a- a- Asus uh, e-slate, which is a a very large slate or tablet-type device. got a 12.1-inch screen on it. It's running Windows 7 on it. He's drawing little pictures on its, uh, on its screen at the moment. Um, the couple of things that that I uh, that I noticed that sort of stood out about it. Yep. Now you put it next to the iPad. It's a totally different device. It's much thicker and heavier. It's got a massive screen in comparison. It's not an iPad compete though, is it? it? No. It, no, it really, oh, it really is, isn't. Yeah. So when you when you look at the two, if you're looking for an iPad, this isn't the device. Totally. But if you're looking for a um, a laptop style device or you know a portable device that you can plug a bigger screen into it comes with a uh, wireless, wireless, keyboard. wireless keyboard and so on uh, then hey it is it is reasonably capable you can use it not only with um, um, you know multi-touch with your hand it's got a pen as well for you know doing on-screen sort of writing if you're working with one note or skips doing you're trying to draw little pictures on the screen i think you need to go back to school on that one it's uh, got that pc grunt <laughs> it's, sorry, got, it's got the um pc grunt in it though hasn't it, it, it it's got a it's got high-end processors it's got four gig of ram it, it's got a bit of oomph so you can actually run those you know office and word and do all those multitasking things quite heavily yeah, and you it. can run the full versions of those products and yeah. i and i think one of the things with the ipad is you'd usually have that in addition to a, a full-blown laptop correct so if you just wanted one device that could do a bit of both then this will do it reasonably well but you know it's it's not as slim and light as the ipad no and and bear in mind that windows 7 although it does some of the touch stuff you know it it just it's not it, designed. It's, it's, it's not, not designed for being used, you know, on a touch type basis. It but just, it's not it just bad. Isn't. I mean, it's it's not awful. I've just been playing around and thinking, oh, how do I right click on this thing? And it actually is quite intuitive. So you hold down your finger, and then you press your 
tap another part of the screen and up comes your right click options mm. uh, and you can do that all over the place so I haven't had any trouble trying to get to anything with it without any training so mm. it's not okay. entirely bad yeah. it, it's it, look I mean I used it last night and it, it's very heavy compared oh, to the iPad I have my iPad <laughs> on one side it's very and it, it gets ridiculously hot I mean until until those devices start coming out to on the ARM based, ARM based processors like the iPads I think yeah we're just yeah, going so to have to wait so that system on a chip type yep. you know um, uh, slate or, or tablet which are what we're probably talking um, well we don't know how far no, off don't. they are really there haven't been any announcements but we know that that stuff that stuff's definitely coming when that stuff comes through we we will see ones that can actually run a full blown windows do all your work type stuff and run all your grunty apps on a much slimmer and lighter machine that's not going to heat up to the same degree right but out of the, yeah but out of the slates that I've I've seen and had to play with this is the best so far mm. this uh, look I mean it, you could use it you can mount it on a little you know uh, tray in front of you you've got a wireless keyboard you could do all your work in the office take it home read books play movies um, type away surf the internet pinch zoom um, it's got the rotation if you flick it up and down you could do all the similar things to an iPad it's just a different look and feel. Yeah, really yep. is. But it, yeah, it's interesting. One of the questions from the uh, NZ, uh, the Geek Zone chat room was, uh, "What's the touch response like?" Uh, and it's not an iPad touch response. I think Apple really have that one down pat. They've nailed it. Yeah, it's really good. It, but in saying this, as I've got used to this, at first I was putting my fingers all over the place and was just doing weird things. But you get used to it, I think. Mm. So it's mm. not awful. It's not an awful tablet. Well, I think we'll see a few more of those coming uh, coming through. And, in fact, um, Acer have said they've got one they're going to fire across to us as well. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see what that one's like. And I think we'll see more options coming through from uh, from ver- various vendors as as time goes on there, uh, and particularly when the new uh, the new chips come come through. Yeah, and I think with Honeycomb coming through from um, Google, that that'll make a big difference as well. I think that's going to be there's going to be a lot more competition in this tablet yeah, space, isn't there? Thinner thinner devices, more iPad-y looking. Yeah, look, it, it's morphing. The competition's coming slowly, but yeah, it, it's there. And I mean, like I said, it was it was good to use last night. Um, I could do all my work. I was checking email and everything, and you know, it, it was I was able to be productive. But still, the look and feel. Whenever I look, put it next to the iPad. Okay, quick, quick question for you then, Brad. Yes, are, are you going to uh, get rid of your iPad in the uh, anytime soon? Why does someone want to buy it? <laughs> <laughs> Have, is this the device that you will throw away oh, no. your laptop no. and your iPad and say this device does both? No, it's, it's not. not is it? It's not it. No, definitely no. not. No. And I would agree with that. And look, I mean, I, I would keep my one device at the moment and um, have the iPad next to it for when I'm travelling. Cool. All right, now another little bit of uh, hardware news. Vodafone, a uh, little uh, portable hotspot, so a little uh, device that has a SIM card in it and then spreads a Wi-Fi signal so you can get it to, you know, you can connect to Vodafone's 3G network from a range of devices, be it your laptop mm. or your iPod Touch or whatever it is. Um, they're, doing a, they're doing a little bit of a special on that, I hear. Yeah, look, one of the guys in the office walked in the other day and he, he showed me this new device and he said, look, it's normally 4 it's on special at the moment for one ninety nine in Vodafone stores. Um, and the, what he's done is he's actually got it's it's the same size as a credit card and about half as thick as a, as a cigarette packet. I don't know why I'm using cigarette packets tonight, but um, it, it's <laughs> tiny. Um, but what it means when he's travelling, what he does is he just puts that in the glove box, and then the kids in the back will sit there with their iPads or any of their mobile devices, and suddenly he's a mobile um, hotspot. 
as he drives along he's got his he's got his sim going and suddenly the kids in the back can surf the net do whatever they're doing um, as soon as he gets in the car his, his mobile phone switches over onto that Wi-Fi network so he's not using his his phone to actually travel everything and basically he's just a roaming hotspot as he travels around the country doing things and when he went away it was, it was great because he could just walk in plug it in and you know his iPad hooked up to it um, he had his a, a tablet device that he hooked up to it and the kids could use the iPod touches and surf the iTunes store so yeah it was good very very and it's very nice piece of kit that is cool and the other bit for uh that's vodafone related news is they've now got the iphone in white yes oh is it out it is it out. is oh yep. fantastic yep. same price or do we know or is yep. it? yeah just just the same but different color so um so all those ladies out there who uh would prefer a, a white iphone you can hand on your current iphone and I, buy I, a white one or, or skip if you like white as well then i prefer a white so it'll go mm-hmm. nice with my white jeans all right well hey we might have some listeners that like wearing wearing white and like white phones so no all power to you um but um yeah i'm um i don't know i'm not a big fan of white when it comes to to phones but i'm sure there will be there will be some who'll be queuing up and uh and, and getting those so uh very cool it's taken a long time, hasn't it? It was originally when they announced the iPhone four. What must be about nine nine months ago. Yeah. It was announced it would be available in a black and a white one. So it's uh, it's been it's been a long time coming that one. But I think as case of demand has outstripped supply so hard in that product, they just were, they didn't have enough space to be able to, in the world to compete to build these products. So good on Apple, man. What, imagine selling that product. Hmm. Um, the other one, now we haven't seen this yet, but in terms of very cool, slim, styly um, laptops, um, Lenovo and their ThinkPads, they make really good laptops. They're not used, always the um, uh, the most modern looking, but very good kit. And there's news coming through that they've got a new model, the X1, coming out, which is a nice, slim, sleek uh, model that will be ri- rivaling... Um, Apple's slimmest and sleekest, so um, that will be interesting to see uh, to see that when it comes through. I think we expect to see that um, launching around the world next month, or is it this month? Not sure. It's not too far off. Yeah, anyway. I think it's May. I think it's yeah. May. Yeah. The, the other one we're going to talk about next week will be the Samsung Series Nine, um, which we'll hopefully be able to have a play with as well. We should be getting one of those around. Oh, the I Samsung. Think, yeah, look, it's that's beautiful. Yes, yes, sounds good. But I think we're running out of time here. We, we are running out of time. Yeah, All right, so well, over time. We will <laughs> ne- uh, in an upcoming episode. We are going to talk a little bit about um, on the home cinema front about TVs and plasma versus LCD and LED and 3D um, and 3D and also. Also want to have a bit of a chat about some of the new projector technologies that are coming through. Oh, yeah. uh, LED bulbs, so you don't have to replace your, your bulb <laughs> so often. That would save a lot of money for people like me. Uh, and, yeah, a bit more on that home cinema front. So, um, But we'll leave that for this week. And to finish up, we are a bit out of time for, um, for apps of the week. So we'll, uh, we will come back into that again next week. I think that's uh, that's us for this episode nine of the NZ Tech Podcast. Yep, sorry it went a bit long. We had a lot to talk about tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. If you want to find us online, we're at nztechpodcast.com or on Twitter, at NZ Tech Podcast. Cool. All right, see ya. Have a nice week. <laughs>